I'm going to turn to 1 John and to chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 for our starting place this evening. 1 John and chapter 4. John chapter 4. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many are false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth, and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And every one that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Saviour of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Amen. We thank the Lord for this reading of his word. Let's ask the Lord's presence and help. Our Father, we come before thee once again, and we ask thee, Lord, to draw near to us, that we might see from the scriptures those things concerning the love of God, and the love that we are to have one toward another. We pray our gracious Father for help in the speaking of these things and in the hearing of them also. 
We pray that thou would search our hearts. We pray, Lord, that thou would exhort us. And we pray, Father, that we might look upon our Heavenly Father as he who hath loved us and who hath sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Gracious God, hear us our prayer tonight. We ask thee and bless our souls in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to preach a little differently to usual here uh, this evening. Uh, I suppose really uh, what this will be is a, a kind of a meditation upon love. Uh, just some thoughts and considerations concerning love from across the scriptures. Uh, those, uh, they, this portion of scripture, of course, is the, um, the, the main portion, I suppose, really concerning love. John certainly brings forth in this many things concerning love, love which God had for us, the love that we are to have for him, and indeed the love that we are to have one for another. Uh, that sums up the commandments which God hath given, that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind, and that we should love our neighbor as ourself. And so these are the two great commandments. Love, therefore, is very important. And for us to consider this for a short time this evening, I trust will be beneficial to us. Um, falling nicely for me, uh, I have seven points. Uh, they won't be very long points, as you can imagine, but uh, they are, work out very well because seven is the number of perfection. Uh, so I want to consider with you the character of love, the commendation of love, the covenant of love, the commitment of love, the communion of love, the cooperation of love, and the consummation of love. So they all worked out very nicely, and uh, we trust that we can uh, learn something concerning the love of God and the love of our own hearts from these points. So the character of love, first of all, well, of course the character uh, can be taken in two ways, and the great character of love is God himself, as we read here twice in these verses that we have read together. First of all, in verse 8, it says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And again in verse 16, And we have known and believed that lo the love that God hath to us, God is love. So the great character of love, a character being in the person, uh, is God himself. He is the uh, highest form of love. Love, of course, is, is of course a spiritual aspect. And God, as the Lord Jesus reveals to us in John 4, is spirit. God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Love also is spirit. And we uh, kind of talk, think, think of it in those terms as well, a kind of a spirit of love and, uh, and in other attributes as well when we think of the, uh, the spirit of helpfulness or the spirit of kindness. or uh, These are things which are ethereal. Uh, those are things which we can't tie down, we can't look at them and examine them in, in such a way. They are things which uh, exist in our, in our thinking, in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits. And God being spirit is the very epitome of this thought of love. Now, love does not exist apart from God. Uh, this is something else that we need to always remember, that God is love because there is nothing apart from God. It's not an attribute which God has taken hold of. It's not something which he has aspired to and gained to himself. It is God's character. It is the very character of who God is. 
and the other attributes which we think of attributes really are something which is uh, which are to help us to understand something about god uh, god is singular god is not a complex being he's a simple being but he is all of these things everything proceeds from him he is as we were seeing last lord's day the very uh, uh, sum of existence all things exist in him through him by him and without him nothing exists whatsoever so we think about the character of love then we think about the lord himself and what he has toward us and then we think also about that attribute that character that attribute which is a uh, communicable to us in some ways in the fact that we also can love we can love one another god has indeed uh, commanded us to love one another and so we can show that love one to another and here it, it tells us that we should show forth the love of god uh, to one another and uh, and that we should we should have this consideration and love one to another indeed uh, john tells us that if we don't love one another then we don't love god either because if we can't love someone that we can see that we can actually uh, uh, perceive in front of us how can we lo love god who we have not seen but the words which he uses here are these um it says beloved if god so loved us we ought also to love one another verse 11 no man has seen god at any time if we love one another god dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us so the question then as we go through these seven items here is first of all what is god and how does god manifest this love to us and then to ask ourselves is that love in us and are we manifesting that love in a in a, a lesser form because we are not just love as, as god is but are we manifesting that attribute which god has given to us by the holy ghost and so the lord is love itself we well if we have love the first love that we have is for ourselves we love ourselves uh, we remember the words of the apostle paul that uh, that we a man should love his wife as his own flesh for no man ever yet hated his own flesh but we love ourselves it is the basis of our sin isn't it? it it is the lust of the flesh it is the lust of the eyes the pride of life we we love ourselves and to care for ourselves but do we manifest a love for others is that our reason to exist that we should love one another that we should think about them first we are not to take first our own considerations but we are to consider every person else's welfare that's the way the apostle paul puts it the character of love is god himself and that character should flow through us as we have the spirit of god do we live our lives for others do we think of them first how our actions will affect them how our words may affect them how our testimony even the testimony of salvation might affect them detrimentally so that they don't have a desire to come to god because they have seen what we are the the old saying of, of many in the world is well christians are hypocrites because they say one thing and they do another thing are we hypocrites do we have a, a different action from the words that we utter 
Or do we consider and, and carefully uh, uh, live our lives so that others might desire to know the God that we know and the power which is given to us to overcome? The character of love is the Lord. Then secondly, the commendation of love. We read in Romans in chapter 5 and verse 7, uh, verse 8 rather, God commendeth his love toward us. Now if you're able, uh, let's turn to these scriptures because it's good to turn up the word of God. And so Romans chapter 5, here we read these words which the apostle writes to the Romans and perhaps we'll just read there from the verse 6. It says, for when we were yet without strength in due time, that is, at the time which God had ordained, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely, occasionally, for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure, it may be that for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so we can think of perhaps a bodyguard, someone who has been uh, hired uh, to take a bullet for someone else. Well, that's not because of love, that's because of money. And yet there must be something a little more because you can't spend money if you're dead. And if we consider people who have been in war situations and, and some who have given their lives, we've perhaps read or uh, heard uh, stories of those who have uh, taken not just a bullet, but perhaps cast themselves upon a, a grenade or, or some other weapon that it might not kill their friends or kill others amongst them. People who are willing to sacrifice themselves. And, uh, and the Apostle Paul says, yes, scarcely, but sometimes, peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But then when he comes to the Lord, he says, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Are we willing to die for our enemy? That's what Christ did. That is what the Lord has done for us. We were enemies. Uh, we, were, we were against him. We were fighting against him. We were the ungodly. We were not on his side. And yet God gives himself that he might redeem us because of a love which overcomes even the animosity that we have for him. And we have many enemies Perhaps in this world, not enemies necessarily that we want to fight or uh, wish terrible things upon, but people that we don't particularly care about, people perhaps that we don't like. There, there are always situations where there are people who annoy us or people who have been nasty to us or people we can remember who have been bad. And would we give ourselves for them? Would we take a bullet for them? Would we protect them, give our lives that they might escape? Here is the, the question, what, what, how far will we go for our brothers and sisters? How much will we give for them? And this is quite an easy question to answer in, in some ways, uh, because we can just ask ourselves this. Well, there are people that, that uh, are, are friends of ours and we pray for them. But what about our enemies? Do we pray for them? Do we particularly think about them and pray for them? that the Lord's hand would be upon them, that the Lord would save them, that the Lord would bless them? Do we have a consideration for those who are not our friends and not close to us? 
Do we have a desire to see them come to the Lord, to see them forgiven, to to see them blessed and filled with joy rather than ourselves? The commendation of Christ's love is that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he commends it in the fact that he actually does something which can be seen. What do we do for those who are enemies of the gospel? What can be seen of our love that might bring men and women to know the Lord Jesus Christ? Thirdly, then, we see the covenant of love. A covenant is a kind of a promise, isn't it? It's a a two-way promise sometimes. We we will say, well, uh, I promise to do this if you promise to do that. The covenant of which God gives is of of a transcendent quality in actual fact because the covenant of God for our salvation is a promise which the Father gives. But he doesn't just make the promise with us and say to us, if you do this, then I will give you eternal life. But knowing that we are unable to keep our side of the bargain and proving it in the scripture over and over again, first of all with Adam, uh, then with the children of Israel, uh, that they, uh, even though they were given such a covenant that they broke it, which covenant ye break, saith the Lord, that the Lord therefore comes himself, he comes in the person of Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ he makes the covenant, a representative for us, one who is able to keep that side of the covenant. The covenant is made between the Father and the Son, and we are brought into the covenant by faith in Christ. And therefore the, the covenant itself will not and cannot be broken because it is watertight. It is so strong that it cannot be broken. Jesus Christ, who has accomplished all things perfectly, and the Father who swear by himself just to make sure that we understood by two immutable things, his word, which doesn't change, and himself, which doesn't change. There's nothing higher that he could swear by, but he, he, he swore by himself so that we could understand that this was something more than just a few words, which were throwaway words. This is a covenant which God has made, and he has made it with Jesus Christ, a covenant of love, a promise. And the covenant comes then also through the fathers. And those are the words which we read in the scripture in Deuteronomy 4, verse 37. First of all, and because he loved thy fathers, therefore he chose their seed after them and brought thee out in his sight with his mighty power out of Egypt. Of course, the fathers of Israel were uh, Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob of Israel. And the seed were brought out because God had made a covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. And physically they were brought out and they became a nation. We are connected to the great Israel, which is Jesus Christ, the prince with God. And in Christ Jesus, the covenant is made. And because he loved our father, so to speak, the Lord Jesus, the everlasting father, as he is referred to in Isaiah chapter 9. Because we are connected to him, the promise is with him. And because he loved Christ Jesus, therefore he chose his seed after him and brought us out in his sight with his mighty power. In Deuteronomy 7 and verse 8, the same book. And I was quite surprised actually how much love comes up in the book of Deuteronomy, the second giving of the law. 
seems a strange thing because we kind of think of the law as being thou shalt not. And there are many who consider the law to be uh, very hard and harsh and hard upon us. But again, in Deuteronomy 7 and verse 8, it says, But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand, and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And we can say likewise that because the Lord loved Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, and who completed every part of that covenant which was given to him, Therefore, the Lord hath brought us out with a mighty hand and redeemed us out of the house of bondmen. If you're a Christian here tonight, that is the, the, the place that you stand. Because there is a covenant which God has made. A covenant of love. A covenant with Jesus Christ. And because he loves us. You see there in that eighth verse, but because the Lord loved you. He didn't just Love the Lord Jesus, but he loves us. And Jesus said that, didn't he? He said, but the Father himself loveth you. I do not say that I will pray for you, for the Father himself loveth you. And whatsoever ye ask in my name, he will do it. The Father himself loveth us. What a wonderful covenant. Covenant which cannot be broken because it wasn't made directly with us, but with Christ Jesus, our head. And a covenant which bears down upon us because we are connected to Christ by faith. If indeed we have trusted in him. Again in Deuteronomy, in chapter 23 and verse 5, we read there, Nevertheless, the Lord thy God would not hearken unto Balaam, but the Lord thy God turned the curse into a blessing unto thee, because the Lord thy God loved thee. Turned the curse into the blessing. Balaam, of course, was hired by Balak to go and curse the children of Israel. And he went, and he was standing there to curse them. But when he began to curse them, he found he cannot curse them. And he blesses them instead. God, it says in Deuteronomy, therefore, turned the curse into a blessing. Now there's a curse which the devil would seek to pass upon us. There is a curse indeed which we have drawn upon ourselves uh, through Adam, a curse which has come upon us that we are sinners. But God is able to turn even the curse into a blessing. I was saying this morning, as we were thinking about the children of Israel going and taking the promised land, and how the Lord said, I will not cast them out in a year lest uh, the wild beasts come into the land. But I will do it little by little. You know, I was seeking to put across this, this idea that when, when Christ saves us, we are not instantly perfect. But that old nature which is, remains with us needs to be taken. And it needs to be taken little by little. And we learn so much, even from sin, even from temptation, even from our interactions with the world. We learn many, many things. And we grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God turns even the curse into a blessing. And we think about the curse which uh, came upon Paul, we could say, uh, of his life. And how that he persecuted the church. And he makes reference to it. And he says, I'm the least of all the apostles. Because I persecuted the church. And yet, what did that do for him as he began to serve the Lord? What zeal, what energy he had for the glory of God. And he turned the curse into a blessing. 
This is the covenant of love. And what of us then? Do we have a covenant of love? Do we not say before the Lord, well, I love thee, Lord, and, and I, I, I seek to love my brother also and to, to tell them of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to pray for them and, and seek to live before them in righteousness. Do we show forth the love of God, which is shed abroad in our hearts to those who are around us? Sometimes it's not that easy. We're not, we're not all outgoing people. We're not all loving people, naturally. But there needs to be a, a work upon it as we seek to take that land, as we seek to overcome the idolatry, the self-love, and seek to turn that to a love for those who are around us, a care for our children, a care for our brother or sister, a care for our neighbour, care for those who surround us it can take a long time it can be a hard thing but nevertheless it needs to be our aim then fourthly we see here the commitment of love in hebrews 13 and verse 1 from which our motto text comes this year uh, we have uh, the not from verse 1 but from one of these verses uh, we will recognize as we get there but it says there in Hebrews 13, and again, you can look these verses up, and if you have your Bible with you, it's always a good thing to look up the scriptures and to read them, because the scripture stays in our mind much better when we read it than it does when we just hear it, especially as a voice, well, no matter whose voice it is, can become, become a drone in our minds while we're thinking about something else. But here in Hebrews 13 and verse 1, let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds, as bound with them. And here, this is love. We are loving them, that we are remembering them. We're thinking about them. And them which suffer adversity, as being yourselves also in the body. That is, the, in the body of Christ. We are members of of the body of Christ. We're also in the body. They're suffering adversity, but we're also in the body. Adversity will come upon us also. Let's remember them and let them remember us also. Marriage is honourable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Well, as a truism, but also in the context of these words, as we've seen just recently, uh, probably a couple of months ago by now, but... In, when we think about being in the body of Christ, taking the members of Christ, as Paul puts it to in the Corinthians, in the book to the Corinthians, being members of Christ, taking the members of Christ and taking them to the, the, to the, to the falsities of this world and prostituting ourselves to the world and giving that which God has given to us to the world and casting down the blessedness of the joy of being a part of, body, of the body of Christ by uh, fornicating with the world, by committing adultery with the world. You read through the Old Testament, as you read through, particularly in the prophets, you'll find this motif coming up over and over again of the children of Israel committing adultery with the nations round about, committing adultery with idols and false gods. That's the thought there. And I think it is being taken up here. Remember uh, that in Hebrews, it is being written to the Hebrews. And the Hebrews know the Old Testaments. And, uh, and so those thoughts of, of committing adultery, spiritual adultery, with all who are around them, 
that would come to their mind. Marriage is honourable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Let your behaviour, conversation means an interaction, so we kind of think of it just as words in these days, but in the scripture the, the, the word there means an interaction, one with another. Let your conversation, let your interactions be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. What things do we have then in the context of this portion? What do we have? We have God, we have Christ. He says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Be content with that. That's the thing that you have. You have the Lord Jesus Christ. And what more do we need than him? And so he goes on to say, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I don't need anything else if the Lord is my helper. He is who I have and he is all I need. Here is the commitment of love. Are we committed to Jesus Christ as God is committed to us? Do we love him? Have we determined in our hearts that we will not depart from him to commit adultery in the world? Because he is our love. And though we might find it difficult thing to say to God, Lord, I love thee and have a passion in our hearts to say those words. Nevertheless, when we think of how uh, marriages were from the Old Testament, Rebecca, for instance, came back with Abraham's servant and she met Isaac for the first time and she had agreed to marry him. And he takes her into his mother's tent and she becomes his wife. Well, where does love go from there? Because it wasn't a love which brought them to marriage. It was a marriage which brought them to love. And sometimes... We can be in a situation where we need to learn to love from the wrong direction, we might consider in today's understanding of what love is like. But the commitment of love, do we, are we committed to love the Lord with all of our heart? Are we desiring to know more of him? You see, the more we know Christ, the more we know God, the more we will love him. The more we see the blessedness, the more we see what he gives to us and the joys which are to be found in his presence, the more we will love him. The more we see his grace and his mercy and his kindness and, uh, and his love toward us, we love him, John says, because he first loved us. But are we committed to that love? Or are we expecting it just to either come as some strange uh, force which overcomes us at some point? Or, well, if it's not there, well, too bad. The Lord has a commitment of love to us. And he says, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. And on the basis of those words, we can say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Fifthly, then, the communion of love. And here, this is our fellowship with God, our, our time that we spend in his presence. 
I'm always amazed at the amount of time which Jesus Christ, uh, being the Son of God, spent in the presence of God because he was in his humanity upon this earth and had limited himself in, in some forms in the fact that he was here he was as a man and, and had to live his life as a man. And as a man, he needs to pray, he needs to go and to spend time in the presence of God, get his eyes away from what he can see. Or he doesn't see here while he's upon the earth Uh, The way that he sees as God, all things laid out before him. And although the scripture tells us that because he was the son of God, he knew all things. Nevertheless, that which comes in, in in our senses, in our eyes, through our ears and so on, they are very powerful things. And the reason so often that we fall into sin. And so he spends much time in this communion of love. Song of Solomon 1 verse 7 we read, tell me. O thou whom my soul loveth, where thou feedest, where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon. For why should I be as one that turneth aside by the flocks of thy companions? My desire is to be in your presence. My desire is to be where you are. My desire is to know where Christ is and to find him and to stay with him. And how do we know those things? Well, we ask him. As we read here, tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth, where thou feedest, and we desire to be with him. You desire to be with him? There's a little desire, isn't there, in this age in which we live? As we were saying again this morning, the, the churches have lost a lot of people who used to go to church because they don't desire to be with Christ. Perhaps it had become uh, something which they did on a Sunday. You go to church on a Sunday. And now, because they haven't been for some months and because they've found other ways of perhaps listening to a a service, put on songs of praise in the evening, go onto YouTube and and watch this or that, they've lost that commitment because they don't love the presence of Christ and they don't love the presence of Christ's people because they say, well, I love God, but they don't love their neighbor because they don't care that the rest of the people who are still going to the church are missing them. There's no consideration for those who are around them. And if we don't love our neighbours, John says, how can we say we love God? There is a communion of love. In Song of Solomon again, chapter 3 and verse 4, it was but a little that I passed from them, but I found him whom my soul loveth. I held him and would not let him go. I held him, would not let him go. Remember, Remember Jacob in that battle with the angel I will not let thee go except thou bless me do we desire that communion of love the Lord desires a communion with us but we are so often communion communing in an adulterous fashion with the world we don't have time to commune with the Lord we see then as our sixth point the cooperation of love Cooperation becomes a word which falls off the tongue, but co-operation, operating with the Lord, working with him. When we think of a, a, of a marriage situation, we are supposed to be two who have become one flesh. We work together. We are to, to work off each other. We are to consider each other. We are to understand a, a, a female point of view, a feminine point of view and a masculine point of view. We're not to fall out because those points of view don't meet perfectly because we are seeing things from a different viewpoint, but we are to bring those together and seek to understand so that we can take the best course where we can work together. 
Your children know how to deal with their parents, how you can play one off against the other, how you go to mum and you say to her, can I have a biscuit? And she says, no, you're going to have your dinner. So you go and try and find dad and see if dad will give you a biscuit instead because he doesn't know that she's already said that. How careful we have to be. And there's a grandfather as well, a similar thing. Um, I have my grandchildren come to me asking for things and I say, well, no, no, you have to go and ask your mum. Or you have to go and ask your dad. I don't know. You might have had six already, for all I know. So it's not up to me to give them to you. You go and ask them. And we have to be careful of those things, don't we? There needs to be a cooperation. We are working with the Lord. We're not working apart from him. Remember how the Lord loves us to work with him. John 21, verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. Then go and serve. Go and do that work which I desire to do, but I cannot do in the way that I have done it because I am returning to my Father and I won't be in this world in the same sense as I was before, but you can do that for me. And if you love me, then go and continue that work. And Jesus says also, as recorded by John, that the works that I do shall ye do also, and greater works than these shall ye do, because I go unto my Father. The greater work, I don't think, is that we would do uh, mightier works, as raising uh, someone from the dead after four days. I don't think he was speaking about mightier works, such as walking on the water. Uh, Not greater things in that sense, but greater in extent. Because Jesus Christ was sent not to the Gentiles, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, whereas the disciples were sent into all the world to preach the gospel. So that we in England could hear the gospel and turn to Christ. And people in Spain and people in Mexico and people across the world could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. These are greater works than Jesus did while he was upon this earth. He will do the works that I do. And greater works than these shall ye do. Why? Because I go to my Father. Because the work of God is going to expand exponentially across the world. And men and women will be brought to know me from every nation under heaven. A cooperation. The psalmist says, O love the Lord, all ye his saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful. And plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. We are proud of the Lord. The Apostle Paul says, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of Jesus Christ. He is proud of Christ. Glories in Christ. The Lord preserves the faithful. Oh, love the Lord, all ye his saints. And the psalmist himself says, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice. And my supplication. And finally, the seventh point the consummation of love. A completion is the word. Consummation is a perfection, the perfection of love. And we know that one day we will be brought into the presence of the Lord. When the stars and the heavens shall be rolled up like a scroll, when God brings all people unto that great judgment seat. When we stand before him and he separates the the, the sheep from the goats. When he speaks to some and says, well, you may call me Lord, Lord, but I don't know you. Depart from me. 
and others who have sought to come up some other way. And the Lord says, friend, how comest thou in here without a wedding garment? And commands his servants to take them and cast them into outer darkness in that day. For all of those who know Christ, all of those who are under that covenant of love, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation, there is the consummation of love. We shall see him as he is. Revelation 1 verse 5 and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father to him be glory and dominion for ever and ever. We will rule with him, we will reign with him and yet we will still serve him but we will see him as he is. And that love which we have, we have nurtured and sought to, to grow even without seeing him, just reading the letters which he writes to us and, and those things which he has revealed to us, just in remembering and giving thanks for the blessings that we have received in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. As we forgive, as we remember, and it's so important that we do this, That day by day we remember the grace of God and what God has shown to us. So that those things stay with us. Because there can be times of difficulty where we begin to doubt. And if we have burned those things into our minds, we remember that the Lord is gracious, that he is good. And our love grows But in that day we shall see him. Like Rebecca who suddenly comes upon the camp where Isaac is. And now she sets her eyes for the first time upon Isaac. And she had agreed to go. Wilt thou go with this man? And she said I will go. And that same question has come to your heart and to mine if you're Christ's. The Lord has said to you by the spirit of God. Wilt thou go with this man? And you have said, I will go. Do you love him? Do you desire him? Do you seek to be his beloved? Do you seek to be his spouse? Do you seek to do the things which he does? To be one flesh, so to speak, with him. That we might work together and live to the glory of the Father. Revelation 19 verse 7, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. Friend, are you ready? Are you ready for that day? John at the end of his letter, this revelation says, even so come Lord Jesus. He desires the presence of his Lord. And he rejoices in the third chapter of 1 John and says, we shall see him as he is. It does not yet appear what we shall be. But when we shall see him, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Are we ready for that? Are we desiring that? Do we long for that? We won't really long for that unless we are seeking him day by day. Seeking that communion of love. And we won't seek a communion of love unless we have a commitment to love him. We're committed to him. And we will cooperate with him. And we will see how he has commended his love toward us. 
and we will desire that consummation when that love is made perfect in the day when we stand before him with our eyes brimming with tears of joy and as God wipes the tears from our eyes and says welcome beloved into my presence and to your home let's pray our father we thank thee for thy great love wherewith thou hast loved us a love O lord which brought salvation to thyself and thou didst come when thou didst bring the redemption of thy people when the ransom was paid when the people were bought back lord when we became thine father we pray that whatever state our heart may be in if we are christ's that we might be committed to walk with thee to commune with thee to read of thee to think upon thee to give thanks for thy goodness to grow in grace to grow in the knowledge of jesus christ and to grow in love and that we might also show forth that love to those who are around us bless our souls we ask thee as we commend ourselves to thee this night in jesus name amen